This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for another edition of the Primetime Podcast right here on Mosevale Podcast. You like college football, you like college basketball, this is the podcast for you talking about each. We're talking a little bit more college basketball in this one. Got a little bit of football looking at the NFL draft. Is We're going to look at the ACC, really, in this one. We're looking at Duke and how far Marvin Bagley can carry them this season. We're also looking at the Tar Heels of are they in trouble? Brandon thinks so. We'll find about find out more about that later on. And then we're looking at NFL draft. Could Saquon Barkley be the numero uno pick in the NFL draft? But a little housekeeping before we begin. Number one, if you like what we're doing here want to help support us, go ahead and check out patreon.com backslash Mosevalve podcast. That link is in the description. Also in the description, you want to get your hands on an MVP t-shirt, go ahead Every information for that is also in the description down below. Thirdly, if you are on, is that a word? Is thirdly a word? I don't think it's a word. I think I created it. Thirdly, if you're on iTunes or if you have an iTunes, go ahead and give us a five-star rating for the Primetime Podcast. We would really appreciate it. And last but not least, go ahead and check out mostvaluablepodcast.com. Bookmark it. That's where everything, videos, podcasts, articles, everything goes for MVP so you never miss a single thing. But let's get into the topics, Brandon. Today, a little quick intro because we got a lot to talk about. First, we're focusing pretty much on the ACC. Like I said, Duke, North Carolina. Let's focus on Duke first. And I know that this segment, like part Duke fans might say, but guys, we blew out the Notre Dame Fighting Irish yesterday, 88-66. to However... Last two games, I'm a little concerned for the Dukies, Brandon, because you look at the game they played two games ago against Virginia where they lost 65-63, to and when I look at Duke, you had 30 points from Bagley, 14 from Carter, and then 5-6-8 and eight from the rest of the starters, Duval, Allen, and Trent Jr. The only two off the bench um, were O'Connor, O'Connor and... Delure, who came off the bench, and then you look at, yeah, you got the, what, 22-point win against Nor- uh, against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, but your starters played really well. The rest of your bench didn't really do much. I know more of your bench played, a little bit of them were in trash time, but White and Bolden got the buff of the minutes, only five points between them. So the thing I want to ask you, with Duke... It seems like Bagley is the main, obviously the main guy that we all look at from this starting group. Can he be enough to carry Duke and this starting five this season? Well, it can't just be Marvin Bagley. And as we've seen, you know, look at the games where they've where they've lost. Mm-hmm. You know, when they they lost the game um, against NC State. You know, a couple of weeks back, and then they lose this game against Virginia over the weekend. Bagley has 30 points in that game. Mm-hmm. Who else is stepping up? Nobody. So I think that right now Marvin Bagley, I think, is doing his job. He's doing what he needs to do. He's chipping in in their wins. He's really stepping stepping up in their losses. He's the reason why their losses aren't blowout losses, mm-hmm. because of his 30 points. Duke needs to be able 
to have some other guys. Grayson Allen in the win in the loss over the weekend had five points. Grayson Allen cannot have five points. Grayson Allen, when you say Grayson Allen's name, one you think of tripping, and two you think of a scorer. He had another one of those against Virginia. He had a, uh, I think it was a tripped attempt because as the guy went around the screen, he kicked out his leg. I'm calling it a trip attempt. Well, I want to talk about the number two thing that you think yeah. of if, is him being a scorer. Mm-hmm. And you remember the championship classic that we saw when, when Duke he was a played. Freshman. No, no, no. That we saw this year. Oh, the, in Chicago. In Chicago. He, yeah. When, when they played, played Michigan, Michigan State. State. Yes. I mean, the guy was lighting up the scoreboard. He was so good. Especially from three. And that is exactly what I was going to say. To have just five points, mm-hmm. Grayson Allen, I, I think that it, it, we should be talking a little bit more about, will Grayson Allen and the rest of the cast step up to the plate? Because right now, Marvin Bagley... Again, you look in the games that they've lost, mm-hmm. he's been the only contributor. Basically, the only contributor. I mean, guys like guys like Carter Jr., guys like Duvall, guys like uh, Allen, they're 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 not doing anything. They're not helping this Duke team. They're they're reasons why Duke has lost. Mm-hmm. And and Marvin Bagley, again, he can only do so much, and he can't be the sole guy to be depended upon. For for Duke when it comes down the stretch, he's already doing a ton. Like I said, he's chipping in. He's getting his his twenty points, his sixteen points, in, in in the wins, and he's certainly playing well in the losses. It's got to be these other guys. They cannot have close games again. You you talk about the you know Virginia, a team that is apparently very good this year again. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're well you, coached. You, you can't. Well, they they're always going to be well mm-hmm. coached under under the coach that they have over there. But I I think that right now, what Duke needs to be more worried about is do they have the guys in close situations like that in big games like that outside of Marvin Bagley? Because we already know what Bagley's most likely going to bring to the table when it's a close game, when it's a big game, when things are on the line. Bagley is there. What are these other guys doing? Here's, are they are they putting out as much production as they can? The answer is simply no. Here's what concerns me about this team is look at the North Carolina game. We've got Bagley at 34 minutes. Allen has 37. Gary Trent Jr. had 34 minutes. The entire bench, yeah, I know you had a lot of guys play off the bench. The most minutes were... White and Bolden at 12 and 14, yet you had seven total points from your bench. Virginia, two guys played, six total minutes, didn't have a single point. Two rebounds were what the collective of them had, only one shot between the two. Then you look at Wake Forest. This was a game that they won by 14. You only have nine points off of your bench. Go back to Pitt, another big win. You almost win by 30 points. You look at the bench, this was probably the most points that we've seen in some time out of them, and it's right around, if my math is serving me correct, 18 points off the bench. Good good, good amount of points off the bench in that one. Then you go to Miami, only three points off the bench. Another Wake Forest game, you get 15 off the bench. However, that's only between two players, and that's because O'Connell had 13 points in 15 minutes. Another Pittsburgh win. You get, yeah, Robinson gets 10 points off the bench, but then 2-2-8 two, two, and eight for the rest of the bench. White didn't even have any points. 
Then the NC State loss, you only get four points. The Florida State loss, you only get three points off the bench. And then the Evansville Purple Aces win, where you win 104-40. to Well, yeah, of course your bench is going to play some points because they actually played minutes. O'Connell actually played 21 minutes in that game off the bench because you were up by 60 in that one. The thing I worry most about Duke coming into this end of the season and postseason play is I feel like they're going to be a team when we get to March Madness and the conference tournament games of unless their starting five can go the entire way and be dominant, I don't think they're going to go that far. And the thing I think that is going to come back and bite them in the butt, especially when we get to the conference, the ACC conference tournament will be most telling because if you've got guys playing 30-plus minutes per game, that's the time where, I mean, right now you get a few days off. You get that, all right, we're, you, you get that system of, okay, we're pl- either playing Monday, Wednesdays are the big ones, Saturday. Like, for example, I relate it to when both of you and I were in college, the athletes that played for our basketball team, unless it was non-conference play, at this point in the season, it's like, all right, we're either playing on a Tuesday, a rare Tuesday night, but usually it's Wednesdays and Saturdays. That's when we're playing, Wednesdays and Saturdays. So you know exactly when your games are going to be because you get that rhythm. They get to the ACC tournament, that's when I'm going to start putting the magnifying glass on them because if they've got... Bagley, Allen, and Trent playing 30-plus minutes, and the rest of the starters, not the other two, not far behind. If you have to play three games in three days or four games in four games, that might take a little bit. It might be a little bit more taxing on the team. Or when we get to March Madness, when it's like, all right, we won on Thursday. Now we got to get ready to go on Saturday. And I know you get a week off in between those, but how will the stamina be when we get late in the season for the starters. Well, I think this is just this is something that is odd to me from a from a Duke team that you in you know in a game like like Virginia where you're only having really one guy. You have mm-hmm. you had you had Bagley with 30 and you had someone else with 14. I can't even remember who who had Wendell. Okay. Had Wendell had Carter. had had 14 points. Everyone else couldn't even crack double figures in mm-hmm. points. That doesn't happen, really. That does not no. happen for a Duke team, and and that is so odd. Um, but what also is interesting is that in points per game, according to ESPN, which they're not always accurate, but according to ESPN, points per game, Duke has just over 90 points per game. That's second in all of college basketball. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for Duke, they either all come to play and they all, it's 20, 22, 17, 16, 15, or it's 30, 10, 7, 9, and that's what you get. So it's all or nothing it's, it's is what you're saying. It's all or nothing. That's absolutely what I'm saying. It's, it seems to be all or nothing. But going leading it back again to your question that you had originally asked, mm-hmm. Marvin Bagley can take this Duke team very far on his own. But it needs to be the rest of the crew. It really does. Because he cannot do every single thing. 
if a team, especially when you get in to the postseason, you get into the tournament, and teams know Marvin Bagley has got to be keyed in on. Mm -hmm. Can you stop him? No, he's not a stoppable guy. Can you limit him? You could if you were able to figure that out. But if you're able to figure that out, then you leave it to everyone else. Can they do it? Can they shoulder that? And quite honestly, I I don't know if I'd say yes right now. I don't know if I would be able to say yes. Early in the season, mm -hmm. I think I'd be able to say, yeah, that'd be just fine. But lately, it doesn't seem that way. Well, the interesting thing, and I was just pulling up, there's three games that I was looking at, is Florida, Texas, Michigan State. These are all caliber teams that Duke could meet potentially unless we get like an East Tennessee or a VCU or a Butler from when Brad Stevens was there kind of playing Cinderella. But in those games, Michigan State, I'm going to use as the anomaly because that was pretty much, and we saw that game live at the UC, Bagley, first off, Bagley only played 10 minutes because he got poked in the eye, left with four points, but also that was a game where I feel like early on in the season, you don't know what each team is. Like, you're coming in with a brand new group of guys. You don't know exactly what this team is going to be, and you're kind of just feeling it out out there trying to make it work early on. But by the time they played Texas and Florida, they were gelling a little bit. However, when you get to the Texas game, the big thing I look for in that one, yet again, Bench only play only had four total points between um, Delure and um, O'Connell, and O'Connell played 29 minutes. 29 minutes went one of three. It did have six boards, so contributed there. Two assists, a turnover, and only two points in that game. They're not getting the bench production. Also in that one, Bamba fouled out of that game, and once Bamba was out, it was open rain for Bagley. Just toss it up. They don't got a big guy down there to guard him, and he was able to just flush it home. And then the third one when they played Florida. Only a three-point victory. Had to come back from a deficit in that one. Only have three players off your bench play, and you get 11 points. That's the thing that I think is going to kill this team. Not kill it, but will hurt this team in the end, is going to be the depth of this team. Can the bench, can somebody off the bench contribute or is it going to be ride or die on the starting five because looking at right now if the ACC tournament started today Brandon Duke would be the third seed they'd be the thir number three seed right behind Louisville and Virginia and if we go based off of what the ACC tournament is top four teams get a two-round bye so you get the first day I'm going off of last year so Tuesday you get the first round games the second round is on Wednesday. You automatically get to the quarterfinals. So if you're a top four team, and that's Duke, you would basically have to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three games in three days. However, here's an interesting thing. With Duke and the games they have, right now Clemson, as we're recording this, playing a team that we're going to talk about next in North Carolina. Could I get a score up? Do you, do you have a score update for me? It Before was, I make this point, it was thirty to seventeen. Thirty to seventeen. So if that score holds, you guys will know the ending before we do. You'll be listening to this after the game, but that could mean Clemson ties. That means Duke one loss away, 
NC State, Florida State, right there at four losses. They could have tiebreakers over Duke because they beat them. God forbid Duke falls out of the top, to me, out of the top four. And Duke fans might be saying, but Ricky, doesn't matter. We were the number five seed last year, won the whole ACC tournament. We'll do it again. However, last year's team wasn't like this one. I wasn't saying last year, wow, look at the depth on this team. You don't got any. I was saying, okay, they got some bench players that can come in and play. This year, I'm looking at it and saying, man, if those starters get tired by the time you get a Virginia team on Friday, good luck. You're not beating that defensive team. And that's my worry for Duke is when we get to the postseason, it comes off of matchups. And are they going to run into, A, the wrong matchup, and B, be too tired to overcome that matchup? I, I, well, I think that with uh, what you're what you're saying in terms of being tired and being worn down and everything like that, I think it actually has a lot of merit. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you look at a game like, I'll take the last two games just for easy two examples. And because it's current. In the game against Virginia, you have three guys play the whole game. You have two people come in off the bench to combine for six minutes and zero points. You lose that game. You then go into the game against Notre Dame. You win that game by 22 points. You have six guys come off the bench. They combine for seven points. They get decent minutes. White gets 14. Bolden, 12. Uh, everyone else kind of chips in 8, 5, 3, 2. But they only have seven points. They didn't need it. They didn't need it. They would have been fine without it. Mm -hmm. But again, do they have, and it goes to your question, do they have the depth? Do they have, okay, anyone can have depth. We could, you know, ask anyone to come in and, and play, but do you have the talent? You know, I mean, how many times do we say that, Ricky, where, Mm -hmm. yeah, you have someone who can come in for you, but are they going to be able to do the same thing you can do if they can't? Well, then you really don't have depth. And the next point is, I mean, how how tired are they going to be? How worn down are they going to be? Can they match those points? Can they match those minutes significantly? And I, I, I don't know. I think that what you're saying is a it brings up a great point. I think it really makes a lot of sense. And I think that it's something that Duke really has to look at right now and see, especially, especially if they're having two, three guys play the entire game in a really big, big game, well-fought game, tiresome game, and then say, oh, yeah, you're also going to be playing again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I just that's there comes a point when Duke is going to be worn down, worn down to the bone and not play up to par with where they should be because they have nothing left in the tank. No, and that's exactly it. And the one thing that I was um, trying to find, and of course, the Web page wouldn't come up for me because God forbid the NCAA keep a box score from last year. But I pulled up the, uh, which game is this? Was this last year's game? The the 77-74 win for Villanova over um, the Tar Heels. Just to show a little bit of what I'm talking about, you look at this game, and I'm focusing on this national championship game. You look at Villanova, the winning team, had their five starters play 32, 21, 
38-37-22. Their bench, yeah, they only had three guys play, but 10-25-15. and 15. And Booth, the guy that played the most minutes off the bench, 20 points for that team. 20 points. You look at NC, who lost that game, they had Bryce Johnson at 31. You had Kennedy Meeks, so this was 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this Kennedy last Meeks, year. you had 21. Uh, Justin Jackson, 34. Marcus Page, 34. Barry, 37. Hmm. Kind of sound familiar what we're looking at? You had Hicks off the bench at 20, 20 minutes, only four points. Yeah. Four points, four rebounds. You had Pinson, 12, point, or 12 minutes, didn't get a single point. James, two minutes, didn't get a single point. Britt, nine minutes, got two points. Which team won? The team that had, yeah, they only had three players off the bench, but they had that player do more with their minutes that they had. I think if Duke is the team, one of these teams, and you had to pick, hey, Ricky, what team is Duke going to be? They're going to be NC State. Or not NC State. They're going to be NC. They're going to be the ones where it's like, man, their bench did nothing. And this kid got 20 minutes off the bench, and he only got that many points? That's what I fear but I don't. I I wouldn't be surprised if Duke doesn't make the championship game at all this year. Bold statement, but um, I I think that uh, I I and I think that it you wouldn't know, be a primetime podcast if I didn't make a hot take, Brandon. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> true. I don't. I wouldn't want it any other way. But going back to that point of that mm-hmm. game is that again, it was a close game. It was a last second shot, but. I, I think that you just kind of felt that Villanova, they, they had it that night. They yeah. had that good feel because they had that flow in and out. Mm-hmm. They had guys that were that were not tired. They were still feeling good on the floor, everything like that. And that's, you know, there go, there's a lot to be said for that. Duke, however, however, now going back to my to my po- my point of you saying that's a that's a bold statement to make, but but for for Duke to get there, and you you I mean you look at an ACC that's actually you know pretty darn good. You look at a Clemson team that's pretty darn good. You look at a North Carolina team that stinks right now, but they're they're going to hang around. Uh, you you know you look at an NC State team that's caused trouble for Duke and North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Virginia, of course, Louisville's been played well within the conference. There's 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 some people for Duke to have to go through. And it will be interesting to see how they're able to hold up in terms of do they have to have everybody out on the floor for the enti- entirety of the game in terms of all five starters, most of them you know, go in those 40 minutes, and then having to do that consecutive game after game after game, and can Duke hold up after that? And what kind of effects does that have then going into – the NCAA tournament. Well, and I'll use this because last year's, I don't know why I thought last year was Villanova, North Carolina. Completely forgot that my main pick in the, uh, that the Zags were in the national championship. But you even look at last year's game, this will be my last point. The Tar Heels off their bench, seven total points. And Bradley had 18, May had um, 10, Britt had 13, and Woods had three. Basically, I look at that one. Karnowski has a better game. Matthews has a better game. The Zags might win that one. Like, that's what it came down to was Karnowski got in foul trouble, wasn't out there a lot, only finished with nine. You had Matthews, who had played well for the Zags all year, only had six. It just, like, Collins off the bench, 14 minutes, but only had nine points in that game. That's one where I feel like 
that's what Duke needs. Duke will need like, hey, we might not have the production off the bench. We got to make sure they have a bad game and their stars don't get the game that they're used to getting. I'm just not not confident in the Dukies coming into the end of the season. The regular season, they'll be fine, but postseason and the tournament. Any last thoughts before we move on into NC and the Tar Heels? To wrap it all up, put a bow on it. Um, Marvin Bagley, again, uh, the kind of the the title of this dealing dealing with him mm-hmm. without him duke is not the number 4 team in the country right now they're not 19 and 3 they're far uh worse off and they are losing a lot more games they would not be as good without him i mean it's simple as that mm-hmm. he has been a huge presence for them he's been a huge factor for them he's done a whole lot and at times he's been their team uh when other guys just have not been showing up uh especially as of as of late so uh marvin bagley he wi- will and can take them far but he can't be the only one well this is where you guys come in let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. But Brandon, let's move on into our next topic. And we're moving, we're staying in the state of North Carolina. However, we're moving to a different shade of blue um, over to the rival of Duke. And we're looking at the North Carolina Tar Heels, where right now, Brandon, as we are recording this podcast, I'm chalking, like, I'm chalking it up as a loss. Right now, 44 28. They could come back. I'm predicting they're going to lose this game to Clemson, as that is the halftime scores we are recording this right now. But I'm just going to be frank with you, Brandon. Are the Tar Heels in trouble? Are they in trouble this season? Could they fall out of bracketology? Could they fall out of the tournament? Uh, they're, in, they're, in, they're in big trouble right now. They're in hot water. This would be their third straight loss. Yes, and it will be their third straight loss. I don't see them coming back 44-28. Mm-hmm. to 28. And one of the reasons why I don't see that, and I think that... Uh, uh, Jay Williams had a really, really good um, comment about it. Mm-hmm. It's just that he sees a loss of soul with North Carolina. They just don't have it. They don't. It doesn't seem like they've got the passion. It doesn't seem like they they have that want, that desire, that let's go get it. Um, and it's it's been something. It's been something not really fun to watch, um, especially now. This three losses in a row. Uh, potentially, and again, I'm I'm just chalking it up as a mm-hmm. loss tonight. Yeah, they're uh, four against and four Clemson. in their last eight they, too, and they would that would put them at five and five in the conference, mm-hmm. sixteen and seven, sixteen and seven overall. That's awful. That's awful. They are not, they're just not playing well, and. The other game, the game when they lost on the road at Virginia Tech, that's the one that really shocked me the most. You know, NC State people can be like, how do you lose to NC State? Well, it's a rivalry. I know you're at home. You shouldn't lose that game. Sometimes you play up. But but that one, I can understand more so than the game against Virginia Tech losing 80-69 to in the way that they lost. I mean, you talk about, and we just came off of talking about how Duke had... You know, one guy scoring in their loss against uh, against Virginia. Mm-hmm. They it's you know Mar- Marvin Bagley thirty points and everyone else just kind of dribbles in with nothing. This is like an awful fantasy day because Theo Pinson has four points, Johnson has three, Kenny Williams has four, and you've now combined the three of you. For 11 points. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. That's like if Derek Carr went, you know, went out and had 
10 points. And then my wide receiver over here, Larry Fitzgerald, had seven. And then over here, my tight end, Greg Olson, had two. I know I'm going to lose, even if two other guys had really good games. Well, Luke May and Joel Berry had good games, 23 points each. But that was not enough. And then from their bench, they get a whole whopping what, what do they end up getting? 10, 12 points off the bench from everybody? Thanks, guys. Way to pitch in. I mean, it was it was bad. It, they played so poorly, and it's, it's so frustrating because this is not something that you're used to seeing from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, the last time I remember they were this, oh, well, maybe not. They, they, they had such a down year. Gosh, I can't remember what year it was, but it seemed like it, it's been really, really good for North Carolina. Then that year, then they got back on track, and they've been, they've been fine since. But this game really kind of says it all right now for how the, for the path that North Carolina is taking. This game against Virginia Tech, it really has set the tone for their season, especially right here, middle of the year, you are playing in your conference some of the biggest games that you need to be able to play well and win, and they are losing them. Mm-hmm. They are losing these games. And now you're losing to Clemson tonight. Big. Big. On the road at Clemson. 44-28 at halftime. Ricky, this team does not have it this year. And they are struggling. They're currently number 4 in Joe Lenardi's uh, bracketology. Could fall after tonight. And they will fall after tonight. Mm-hmm. If they're at 19 right now overall, if things kind of shape up in a way that's against North Carolina, if they lose tonight, maybe they're at 25. Maybe they're at 22. This is a team that is not moving in the right direction. Let me ask you this. First thing I want to ask you is... Are we having this topic today, not just because of how they're playing this season, but because this has been a team the last two years, 33-7 and seven both years, 14-4 and four in the conference both years, made the championship game and are 1-1 one and one in the last two years, and now look like this? Like, I- is that playing a little bit to why, we're, why we might be hitting the panic button right now? For the Tar Heels because of it's like you're up here and then boom you're falling off the mountain right now. Well, I think it. I think it. It, it has to be. It has to be when you're able to go to these these games these last two years championship mm-hmm. game last two years and win it in one of them last year. I get it. You know, there's and and we were you know when when we had Matt on what seems like weeks ago, but it was just last week. And we talked and, about and, the big and we 10. talked about the Big Ten and how. Wisconsin has fallen so far. You know, this is a team that they was just, pretty darn good. They and just dropped another one to Nebraska over the weekend. Didn't watch. But um, I I think that, you know, I was surprised at them. Yes, I get it. You lose your, 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 your senior starters and everything like that. But... Ten and ten. What at the time was ten and ten. Now they're ten and thirteen. That's awful. That's awful. Yeah. Since we talked about them, they've lost at Rutgers. I know this is NC State or NC. We'll get back to them, but 
the Badgers have lost, um, yeah, no, their last three since the Illinois win at Iowa, at Michigan State, and then home against Nebraska. They've lost their last three. The reason I bring them as an example is because North Carolina still has the seniors on their team. Mm -hmm. They still have Pinson. They still have May. They still have Barry Williams. They've got these guys. They're just not meshing. Mm -hmm. Something is not working. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if just the other talent is so much better and so much quicker and so much more reluctant to get good shots off and make good shots and everything like that or what it is. But North Carolina has been uncharacteristically unsuccessful so far this year. The fact that they could fall tonight to 5-5, five and five, 500 within the conference mm-hmm. is unbelievable. At worst, I would think that they'd be up around where Duke is. Seven and three. Seven and three in the conference. Not great. Not bad. Here's the one thing I'm going to bring up. Let's say they do lose tonight like both you and I think is going to happen. They'll fall to five and five. That means they're right now one, two, three, four, five. They'll fall to seventh in the ACC right now. The same thing that we did for Duke. If the ACC tournament starts today, they would be the seventh seed, so they would play the second round. First round would happen. They would play the winner between 10 and 15. So the winner between, what, 7, 8, 9, 10. So Virginia Tech, 11, 12, 13, 14. So Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh. Well, guess what? If Virginia Tech wins, that's a team that's already beat you this season. Then you beat them. Let's say they will beat Virginia Tech. Then you play the two seed, which right now would be Louisville. The thing, we don't have a barometer right now on that one because they don't play until February 17th. The rest of this schedule for North Carolina, I do not like. I don't like what I've seen, and I don't like what's coming up because you get Duke twice. You get Louisville once more. You get NC State at NC State. They beat you at home. I'm not confident that you're going to go into Raleigh, North Carolina and get that win even. So that's what, four games I could see you losing? And then Miami could even be a toss-up. So that's five games right now. Syracuse will probably be a tough one. That means for me the only automatic, I'm using air quotes for our audio listeners, automatic wins I have you with are Pittsburgh and Notre Dame. If that happens, Brandon... They will only have seven wins in the conference. Seven wins. The lowest for Roy Williams since his 5-11 season back in 09-2010. That's what it was. Where, do you remember the national championship game that year? Because it was a doozy. Gordon Hayward played in that game. Oh, um... It was... Gordon Hayward had a shot. Um, yes, it was... Um, who were they again? It was in Indy. Um, Duke. And? Um, they Duke lost... Uh, Duke should have lost two. Duke won. Should have lost two. Why am I thinking... Brad I, Stevens? Why, I know, I know. I picked Butler. Butler. There we go. That was okay. that was the national championship I was saying, I'm picturing year. everything. I'm picturing the shot. I'm picturing my expression when it's going up, and then I pictured my expression when it didn't go in. But... Um, 
Yeah, that's the season. I, I mm-hmm. couldn't remember what it was, but that was that was a bad season. That was a bad season. Twenty and seventeen overall, five and eleven. Besides that, the lowest a Roy Williams team has done his first season at eight and eight in the conference. Or yeah, in the ACC, nineteen and eleven overall. They still made the tournament that year. His first year with the Tar Heels after coming over from Kansas, but. I just I don't like the rest of the way because I don't either. I don't think they'll beat Duke once this season. I'm sorry, you're not going to beat Duke. You might beat them at home, but I still am, am going to put Duke with the sweep. I think that Louisville gets you because that one's at Louisville, and I think that NC State's going to beat you. I think you got four automatic losses for me for sure. And like I said, I'm not confident at Syracuse or even home against Miami right now. This is a team that, let's see, with seven wins, I mean, we're eyeballing it here, but with seven wins, at the worst, that would put you 10th. 10th. That means you're falling from, hey, we're playing day two to, oh, shoot, we got to play day one. We got to play day one of the ACC tournament and go 5-0 and to win the whole thing. And the thing that I also don't like is, let's say, we'll go back to seven, because that's where they would be after this Clemson loss. I'm not confident that you'll beat any of the top four teams. So it's a one and done in the ACC tournament. What are you going to be a team when you get to the ACC tournament towards like, you know what? We need two good wins. We need a win against whoever we get out of 10, 15 and a win in the quarterfinals would really sure up. Or is it going to be, well, they won that one, but you know, they couldn't beat Duke. So I mean, they're on the bubble. We'll see what happens Selection Sunday. That could very well be the case for North Carolina. Well, North Carolina right now, the way that they're playing and the way things seem to be shaking up for them and stacking up is certainly the, the rest of the way out. They may just be a bubble team. Which is shocking because right now, like you said earlier, they are a four-line. They're a four. In Joe Lenardi right now. I know Joe Lenardi's not the committee, but Joe Lenardi's pretty good at this. He's pretty pretty darn good. good. He's He's been been doing doing it for a while. He's been doing it for a while that he's pretty good at this. He knows what he's talking about. Uh He has a really good pulse on what's going on, what's happening. Mm -hmm. But that's that's what makes me worried is that they're a four right now and falling. They're a four right now and falling. They lose to Clemson tonight. That four is no longer a four. That's maybe a five. That's maybe a six. You, if you lose to Duke, you keep falling, and uh, and you don't want this to be a free fall. Right now, because North- I'm free. It's a good song. It's a good song. <laughs> but uh, I w- I almost thought about finishing it, and I then mm-hmm. I just I didn't do it. But um, <laughs> Pitt, you need to win at home against Pitt. You've got to do it. Mm-hmm. You've got Duke at home. You have got to try and play them as best you can. In your own place, because you know it's going to be difficult going to their place on the road. Then on the road at NC State, like you said, that that's going to be even more interesting because of the fact that they beat you at home. Now you've got to go there, and if you could try and do that revenge game and and get that one, that'd be great. But there's there's all these ifs ands mm-hmm. or you know, but you know, maybe this could happen. They need to just get a whole change of. What's going on? I don't know if they need to do a whole players-only meeting. I don't know if Roy's got to go in there and say, guys, we've got to change the attitude. We've got to change the demeanor. We've got to change the thinking. Because right now, again, when you've got a guy like Jay Williams saying that I just don't feel like they they just don't have the soul anymore, mm-hmm. that's a... 
that's you know that's an internal you've got to look internally for that stuff you've got to change that it's not just that it's not just that you're you're losing games and you're losing it by this much or that much mm-hmm. or whatever internally what what's going on why can why what is the block that you are unable to overcome and that's you know it, it's one of those things it, it's kind of one of those deep down kind of hidden things that mm-hmm. you can't necessarily see on the surface and that's almost where I think North Carolina's at. You know, it should have been a foreshadowing thing a little bit. When you lose to Wolford, that's <laughs> 70, what I think. 79 to 75. But no, what should have been a little bit of a foreshadowing is, remember what happened before the season even started with Barry? Yeah. Where, oh, I'm playing Madden. I got mad, punched a TV screen. I'm out for a while. I mean, I get it, but that, it's very stupid to do. That should have been a red flag of like, that's your upperclassman leader punching a TV because he got mad. The like, it's easy for me to say that now sitting here at 28 when I was 21 through 24, let's be completely honest. I've broken many controllers, whipping them at walls when I die in call of duty or when I couldn't beat a level level in kingdom hearts or when I lost the game um, in Madden, I would do the same. But I was always, so. It sounds like there's just been a couple of times. Yes, <laughs> I was. But I was always the person where, I mean, this is going to sound like take this however you want. But I rather break the controller if I break anything because that's going to be a lot cheaper than fixing my hand. Yeah, fixing my hand or fixing anything of my body or fixing a TV. A TV yeah. is pretty expensive. The controller now they've gotten expensive. They're like sixty, eighty bucks for a PlayStation controller. I so I learned to very. Uh, very quickly diffuse my anger. But one thing I was going to bring up getting back to North Carolina is you go back before the Virginia Tech loss. So only two losses because we're not counting the Clemson loss because it's still going on as we are recording this. Before the Virginia Tech loss, North Carolina was on the two line for Joe Lenardi. They were a two in the East. Two losses, you fall to a four. So if you take that into consideration, let's say they lose tonight and then just going through what I said, five, that's six more. So that means you're losing two lines for every two losses. So basically a line for every loss. So you're a five, you're a six, you're a seven, you're eight, you're a nine. They could fall to a 10. And you know what else could really hurt them? And we didn't talk about this with Duke because... This isn't going to concern Duke at all because they're going to be a high seed. But with North Carolina, the thing you got to get into is the more games you lose at this stretch and the more lines you fall on that March Madness um, tournament bracket, you know what could really end up hurting the Tar Heels? When we get to conference tournament and it's like, huh, St. Bonaventure wasn't going to get an automatic bid. But they got an automatic bid, and now they've taken a spot away from another from a power from a quality team, a power five team, as we would say in football, that could have used that. Like, how many little guys this year are going to win their conference tournament and maybe take spots away that could have gone to a North Carolina team, but because they lost so much, they put themselves in that situation. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I think you bring up, uh, you know, again, you bring, you've brought up a lot of good points tonight, Ricky. I've agreed with you a lot tonight. I don't know what's wrong with me. But, it's a change um, of pace. It's a real change of it pace. It is. It is. Not really. Also, but. I don't mean to rub it in because this is my team, but the Illini are beating records 41 to 22. Wow, right that's now. a huge accomplishment. <laughs> For us, I'll take a win. <laughs> I'll take a Big Ten win at this point. We got one. I'll take another one, please. I, but I, I think you, I think you are right, and I think that you know the the fact that Justin Jackson's not there anymore, mm-hmm. the fact that Kennedy Meeks is not there anymore. No I senior, think the senior they're, leadership they're, they're the same. They're 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 feeling that. Mm-hmm. They're feeling that right now, and they're missing that a whole lot. You know, it. that's 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 what I think too. Is that you know they're they're missing the presence on the court of both of those guys. I'm mm-hmm. sure they're missing it off the court as well. Well, any final thoughts before we move on into the NFL draft? Yeah, this is very disturbing. I really hate well, seeing North Carolina in this position, and as well, many gonna, as many people hold it as many people may like seeing North Carolina in this position it's just it is a strange one for them to be in mm-hmm. especially when you have a Roy Williams coach team he's one of the my favorite and best coaches um, I think in the game right now and it's just so odd to see a team of his mm-hmm. be five and four potentially five and five in the conference and and struggling at this point in the season. Well, I'll say this at the end of the segment, didn't say at the beginning, this is your team. So you got a little bit of an attachment there with this one because just like Alabama is your team for football, this is your basketball team. This is the one that you root for, for the Tar Heels, and it's uh, kind of similar to your football team that you root for, that it's either you like the Tar Heels or you hate the Tar Heels. I I haven't met many people that are like, the Tar Heels... Eh, they're okay. It's either you're on one side or the other. It's the same thing with like Duke too, but it's the same thing with Alabama football as well. This is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Is North Carolina in trouble? How do you see the rest of their season going? Will they make the tournament? And if they do, what seed do you think they will be? Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. But Brandon, let's go ahead and close the podcast. Moving now into the NFL draft. And this is going to be a fun one because next week we have our second big board for the NFL draft. And this is a prospect on our first big board. Unless I am mistaken, both you and I, I believe, had him as the number one prospect. Yeah. On our big board, the first go around. And we're talking about Saquon Barkley, the running back out of Penn State. And the the thing I want to talk about here is basically, could he be the number one pick in the NFL draft? Because right now, you look at the last mock draft for MVP, Mark and I both had quarterback going one, quarterback going two, Darnold and Rosen. However, the news that I'm hearing is that right now the Colts at three— they really like Saquon Barkley, and they're thinking about either a Bradley Chubb or a Barkley at three. However, could the Cleveland Browns pull a fast one and basically take Barkley number one, let the Giants figure out, hey, whatever quarterback you want to take, and then the Colts, you know, trade to whoever wants to take another quarterback We'll be fine between basically Darnold, Rosen, and Allen. We'll take the third one at four. What are your thoughts on that? Could Barkley be the first name we hear called when the Browns come to the podium on draft night? Yes, and I think he should. And I think that because 
what is what is Cleveland? And I'm not saying that one guy can save a franchise. It's mm-hmm. it's just hard to ever do that or really say that this guy saved this franchise mm-hmm. um, by himself. But what is it that Cleveland needs? I mean, outside of wins, you know, what is it that they need? They need a playmaker. They need a playmaker. And, and instead of trying to take a quarterback at number one and try and put him as the playmaker, why not get Saquon Barkley, who can be that playmaker all over the field, whether it's a kick returner, a punt returner, a wide receiver, a running back, quarter, make him quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what the Cleveland Browns need. They need a playmaker, a spark plug. Saquon Barkley would be just that, and I think it would behoove the Cleveland Browns to go after him and take mm-hmm. him number one and and pick him up so you know you have him. Because there is no, just because you have multiple picks in the first and second round doesn't mean that you can't afford to wait on him because he is so good, because there are reports that, hey, I mean, I could tell you the Cleveland Browns need a running back. The New York Giants need a running back. The Colts need a running back. The Broncos need a running back. You know, just because there's just there's two teams behind you mm-hmm. and then you again doesn't mean that you can afford to wait and assume that Barkley will wait be waiting for you at number four. And quite honestly, I don't think it's really all that important to go after a quarterback right away, only because... You're gonna get one. Well, you're gonna be fine. I mean, you've you've already you've already done this whole go after quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. I remember you sat in this room. You did a video about mm-hmm. all the quarterbacks that they've had. That really yeah. hasn't panned out for you. Well, so why don't you go in a different direction? Also, I want to complete this thought, and I'm almost okay. Done. If you're Cleveland, why don't you go and try and offer one of these top picks to someone like? The Redskins don't trade. Who don't do, trade those who, picks, who, Brandon. Who don't who don't seem to really care about their quarterback. Don't trade them and take their quarterback. Here's what I think should happen, and you can also hear this a little bit. Check out the onside kick this week for um, we talked about best fits for Josh Allen. Here's what I think would be beneficial to the Cleveland Browns: take Saquon number one. The reason why, you hit on it. Between one and four, there's a better chance of you still getting a quarterback at four than Saquon still being at four. Because the Colts, I have always thought about, like, the last mock draft we did, I thought about having Barkley go to the Colts, but I didn't. I still kept, I'm like, you know what, Ballard's going to go with a pass rusher, he's going to go with Bradley Chubb. But now that they're bringing in Josh McDaniels, why wouldn't McDaniels say, you know what, let's take pressure off a of lock. I need something I can work with, either offensive line or a running back. Let's, Frank Gore, you, great job. You did a great job for us. You're too old. Get out the door. You're, we're not Just go and retire. You. Just go and retire. Or go play for a team that still needs a running back. There's numerous of them. He could find a job easily. Go ahead and draft Barkley. If... If the Colts are thinking about Barkley, then the Browns need to take him number one because another thing I look at is here's what's going on in my mind right now, and I don't know if I'm going to have this for the next mock draft, but I'm thinking about it. Barkley goes number one. Then the clock, the Giants come on the clock. They get their pick between Rose and Darnold, Allen, Baker, Mayfield. 
I think they would go Josh Rosen because, or you know, they could go basically Rosen or Darnold is what I'm thinking. Then what the Colts do is I think the Colts trade their pick. They trade back. They do a John Lynch thing, either the Jets or the Broncos. Probably the Broncos because John Elway's probably like, shit, I didn't expect Josh Rosen to still be on the board. Trade up. He gets Josh Rosen. So basically how I'm looking at it right now, Browns get Barkley number one. Darnold goes to the Giants because, hey, you know what? He's got the more potential out of him and Rosen, and we still got Eli. He can sit behind Eli. We won't have any pressure to start. Rosen might have pressure before Darnold has pressure. Then you have the Broncos trade up with the Colts for the— they would swap first-round picks, and the Colts would get some more picks, and then the um, Broncos would go ahead and take— Josh Rosen, guess who's sitting there at number four? Guess who is sitting there right at number four? Josh Allen. Browns take a quarterback if they truly want it right there at number four. And the thing that I think, and this is kind of, I I kind of was thinking in my head, like, should I say this? Should I not? Right now after, because the big thing I'm doing right now, and I mentioned this during the onside kick, I've begun the homework for our film breakdown videos. Watched Rosen. I've watched Darnold. I've watched Allen. That's where I am in the process with the quarterbacks. And watching Allen, from what I've seen, the number one thing that I noticed from his film, I was like, dude is deceptive when it comes to play action. There were so many times he would throw the ball out there, slickly keep it to himself, Get the linebacker to jump, get a safety to jump, get somebody to jump because they think the running back has the ball and he can throw it down the field. What kind of a play action threat would that be? Would a quarterback with that skill with a threat like Saquon Barkley? Basically, you're saying, hey, we got a really good play action quarterback and we got a threat at running back that people can't sleep on. That people can't say, you know what, go for Allen because they're not going to give it to the running back. That's what you get if Isaiah Crowell is your running back, not if Saquon Barkley is your running back. The Allen-Barkley pair could be a good one for the Browns, and that's why I would say take Barkley at number one if I'm the Browns. Why do you say don't trade your picks? Don't trade them? Because I would say for the Browns, you need the one and the four. Take, Take Barkley, take your quarterback, get them together. I don't think Deshaun Kaiser's the answer. I don't think he's the answer. I know it's only been one year. I don't think he's the answer. I think Cody Kessler's time is done. I don't think Hogan is the answer either. That is why I wouldn't personally trade the picks. Well, I don't think that any of them are the answer either, but Mm -hmm. how many times are the Cleveland Browns going to burn themselves by taking rookie quarterbacks that do not pan out? How many times do you think they looked at film? And they saw, oh, man, this guy's good. He's He's got this. He's got that. And then it turned out to be Brandon Whedon. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how many times do you think that that happened to the Cleveland Browns? Well, I can tell you, a lot. And it wasn't good. So that's why I said, and not, I mean, that was mm-hmm. just off the cuff. Yeah. Trade it. Try and get somebody who's looking to deal a quarterback and who's not really willing to. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. There is tension between Cousins and Washington. There is. He's not going to go to Cleveland. He'll go to he'll go I'm, to but, a team but, like Minnesota that but, 
Oh, could win. of course. No, 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 Still no, no. go to Minnesota. I'm not saying exactly Minnesota, but I'm saying a team like Minnesota, a team like Denver, where they can sell him on, hey, you you can win a championship here. You can't win a championship in Cleveland. Well, quite frankly, he'd have no choice if he's traded. <laughs> well, yeah, that if they so, franchise tag him and trade so, him. But that's what I'm saying is I'm not saying that that necessarily has to be – it has to be Cousins, mm-hmm. but why not – You know. There's there's a number of other teams who who I think would be willing to possibly trade a quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, if they were able to maybe maybe but but the, the reason I'm saying that and it's a little out there and I understand that and I you know I I agree that it's a little out there but why if you're the Cleveland Browns mm-hmm. there is no time like the present to be a little creative to be a little shifty you know and and try something new do something a little different go outside the box outside of what you've normally done which has led you to 0 and 16 here's one one thing I'm going to throw out there to be devil's advocate to sure. that and I know it's one example, but to me, the biggest mistake they've made in recent years, if they trade one of these picks, what was it, two years ago? The Rams trade with the Titans. Rams get the number one pick. Everyone's like, the Rams are going with Jared Goff. I'm sitting there going, great. The Browns get Carson Wentz. The Browns are going to have their quarterback of the future, and it's traded to Philly. They traded the pick to Philly. Why did they trade the pick to Philly? Did they not want that quarterback? And now I, I know hindsight's twenty twenty. And look at Carson Wentz before he got injured. Look at Jared Goff in L.A. But we knew the Rams were going to draft Goff. That's the quarterback that they liked. Part of me says don't trade the pick because it's like you're in a catch-22. Do we go for the drafting another quarterback like we always done? Or it's like, hey, look at this. We didn't draft a quarterback and he actually panned out to be pretty decent right now. But it, but it would have been different if they would have traded the pick to get mm-hmm. somebody to fill their quarterback role and, and position, not just more picks. And, and not just more picks where they could screw it up. Mm-hmm. That's so. That's what what I'm seeing. seeing if as you're the trading is, for is, Kirk Cousins, then I say, I'm, okay, you can trade it. I'm if I'm the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. truly. So because you have so many picks within the first and second rounds, mm-hmm. you get Saquon Barkley number one. Okay, good. There's one thing off the list. You got the yeah. number one wish list and item. And then look to and trade then the four. Look to trade the number four for someone who is willing to give you a quarterback that they already have on their roster. I completely forgot the whole reason why they have the number four. Not only did they say, no, we don't want Carson Wentz. We'll they, trade with they, you. They didn't want uh, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Watson. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. part of me feels like it's one of those things where it's like, will the Browns ever get it right? It's like, we're going to draft a quarterback, and he's a dud. The Browns would get it right if they went yeah. with Saquon Barkley at number one. They here? would certainly get it right there. But the reason why I'm saying mm-hmm. it, is trade the pick is I'm not saying to trade it for more picks. I'm saying to trade it specifically, shop it for someone else's quarterback on their team. And here's, I want to bring it back to Saquon Barkley sure. for a second. I'll because the the whole thing with me is... We both agree, take them number one. Absolutely. The Browns. Absolutely. You want to know it's another thing that I sit back and think why they should take him number one? Do you remember, or I know it's recent, but do you know who's going to be the new offensive coordinator in Cleveland now? He's coming uh, over from Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, Todd Haley. Todd Haley. Who did Todd Haley have for three of his four years? I want to say it was four years. Uh, I'm sorry. For four of his five years in Pittsburgh? 
Who who was his running back that was drafted in 2013? Kind of a little holdout situation of Le'Veon late. Bell. Le'Veon Bell. Why not get Todd Haley, who I'm looking right now at an article from, where's this article from? From MorningJournal.com for Cleveland. The headline says Todd Haley will change scheme and call plays as the Browns' new offensive coordinator. If he's calling the plays, he's changing the scheme because obviously Hugh Jackson's scheme didn't work of a run-first offense. If he's doing that, why not get him a running back that could be used? Not exactly because, I mean, Saquon's a little bit shorter than Le'Veon, but a back that they can use as, one, their main running option, and two, as a receiver out of the backfield. Here's another thing, and this is why... I was kind of like, right away, don't trade the pick. Because in my head, I was thinking Josh Allen would be there at four. And the thing with Josh Allen and people, like, the reason why I'm saying this now is I'm beta testing it. Where, like I said, I'm doing the homework for the draft breakdowns, and one of the parts in the draft breakdown video will be a pro comparison. And I'm beta testing this pro comparison with you guys watching and listening. I was watching Josh Allen's film, and you, you 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 know what he looked like to me? A skinnier Big Ben. Same size. They're both 6'5". Skinnier Big Ben. That's what he looked like to me. Like how, and I know the NFL is a different, like the guys are bigger, faster, stronger in the NFL. However, watching him, they'd come in to sack him, and he's hard to take down. Watching him get away from somebody trying to take him down and throw. And I'm like, at first, I'm like, I've seen this before. I've seen, who have I seen? What quarterback have I seen like this? And then it hit me. I'm like, it's Big Ben. He's just skinnier, doesn't have the same size. He's about, I want to say like, what, 10 to 15 pounds. And that's me spitballing off the top of my head. 10 to 15 pounds lighter than Big Ben. But they're both 6'5". They both have the same height. Why not match? You're basically getting then the quarterback that could play a similar style to Big Ben, who has a tremendous, yeah, his accuracy is not the best, but he's got all the arm strength in the world. And then you pair pair Todd Haley up with a running back also, like Saquon, who could be his Le'Veon in Cleveland. All you need then is your AB, and that could be Josh Gordon. I mean, Josh Gordon could be, I'm not saying like same caliber, but he could be your number one wide receiver in Cleveland, either him or Corey uh, Coleman. You know, I, 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 I think you, you know, said that perfectly and laid that out perfectly. But I, I think it's my, my feeling mm-hmm. a lot of times with the draft is you are and you, I mean, it is all the time. You're mm-hmm. always taking a chance on these guys. Always, always, always. Always. I mean, look know, at Ryan Leaf. You, you don't know if they're going to pan out. Mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley, who was one of the best, who is who is one of the best athletes and was one of the best in college, mm-hmm. could pan out to be an absolute dud. I do not expect that in the slightest, but he could. And that's why when I look at that, I just, I, I look at the draft and I think we just truly never know. Is there a we chance? We truly never know. Is there a chance that Saquon doesn't pan out? Like there's that, always a that's chance. Not, that's there's not always in, a chance. That's not injury based. Like in your crystal ball, could you see a future where Saquon goes maybe top five and it's like, man, Saquon, he's good, but like they drafted him top five and 
He's not Zeke. He's not Fournette, man. Because I'm looking at it on the other side where I see for I see what we saw in Zeke two years ago. I see what we saw with Fournette this last year. I think like Mark hit the nail on the head before we were recording yesterday of the days of yesteryear where you get Mel Kuyper. Don't take a running back in the first 21 is too big to take a running back. I, that's not what Mel Kuyper sounds like. I just do that voice for everybody. <laughs> However, like you get Mel Kuyper and he'd be up there. I don't know why they took Melvin Gordon at 21. It's way too high. We're three years. This could be the third year in a row. We get a top five running back. Honestly, in my crystal ball, Saquon Barkley is going to be worth it. He's mm-hmm. going to be worth every bit of it. I mean, I, I think that he's really going to pan out. I Again, I think it's because he does so much. He's not limited to just running the football. He, is, You can put him anywhere pretty much on the offensive side, outside of the offensive line, and I think he's going to be just fine, mm-hmm. maybe tight end. Um, but I, I don't foresee... Saquon Barkley being a bust in any in any capacity, even though he's going to Cleveland. I don't see him being a bust, even though Cleveland needs a lot of things. I think him going there, it's going to help. Like I said at the kind of the top of the segment, they need playmakers. And that's why I would forego going quarterback at number one, knowing you'll get a quarterback mm-hmm. at number four if you truly want one. You'll get a true playmaker at number one with Saquon Barkley. And I, I think it comes to, with the quarterback – and so there's been so much turnover in Cleveland at quarterback, at head coach, at GM. I feel like with what Cleveland's got right now in their GM, they've got somebody who is able to analyze talent. Mm-hmm. They've got somebody who is very, very strict and diligent in looking at talent and um, being able to make a decision and make it be a good decision. I, I really do think Cleveland is done with this crap of the past and how poor they've been and how poor they've played. And I, I really do believe, and I, I have some confidence now in in the Cleveland Browns in terms of they are trying to turn this organization around. Mm-hmm. And I will truly believe that they believe that if they take Saquon Barkley at number one. Well, and the last thing I'll throw out, and this is a little bit away from Saquon because both you and I have agreed they should take him number one overall, but the senior bowl that we talked about last week where, first off, I got to throw out, you were the one that mentioned Rashad Penny needs a big day, right? Yeah. Yeah, he he had a big day at the senior bowl. had a big um, touchdown for um, the side that he was on. I can't remember if he was north or south. I think he might have been on the south team. Um, But one guy who had a good game, was the quarterback out of Richmond. I'm going to screw up this name, so I'm going to preface this right away. Kyle Luletta had a big game. A lot of people impressed with him, FCS quarterback. Could you see the Browns, let's say they Saquon Barkley, number one overall. They do what you say and trade the fourth pick, but they don't get a Kirk Cousins. Could you see them going with a quarterback like Luetta who might have had a good senior ball or a Luke Falker like yeah we'll take someone in the second third fourth round and not take a Baker Mayfield or a Josh Allen at number four this 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 new guy that you Mm -hmm. mentioned I don't know who that is so um I I don't think I could could with honesty actually say him because I don't know anything about him but the 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 name that you mentioned the Luke Falk Mm -hmm. 
maybe a look a Luke Falk. Mm-hmm. And what maybe the Cleveland Browns need to do is not take one of those top quarterbacks. Because of the pressure that's associated with them usually? Not even necessarily that. And I know that people will be like, Brandon, come on. But where was Tom Brady drafted? Tom Brady was not a top five pick. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady was not a first three-round pick. Russell Wilson. I mean... Aaron Rodgers. Look, I mean, look later truly. On. I mean, look at some of these guys. I, I, I think that you don't always, you do not always have to get that top of the line coming out of college, quote unquote, guy, mm-hmm. because you can find good players later on in the draft. Aaron Rodgers was still first round. I know that, but I'm just saying he was like 20s was when he was drafted. Because I know someone in the comments section would say, but Ricky, he was still a first-rounder. The exact stat line for Kyle um, Luetta, just because um, I don't know if you knew his stat line from the Senior Bowl. No. 8 of eight of 12 on the day, 198 yards, 3 touchdowns, no INT. That's not, that's not too bad. I know it's one game. I know it's the Senior Bowl. Like Josh Allen had, um, he went 9 of 13. 158, two touchdowns on the day where Baker Mayfield went three of seven, only for nine yards, and his team got a field goal on that drive that he had. However, Baker Mayfield wasn't exactly sure if he was even going to play in yeah. the game that he had. So any final thoughts on Baker, or not Baker Mayfield, on Saquon Barkley and being number one overall in the NFL draft? Can I, can I be honest with you? Is that... It really necessarily doesn't have so much to do with Saquon Barkley, but Mm -hmm. I'm actually excited for the Cleveland Browns. I feel like the Cleveland Browns this year could actually really help their team five, ten years down the line. Is he Jackson the coach at the end of the year? Yes, I do (laughs) think so. Because if they they bring in Todd Haley, offensive coordinator, Mm -hmm. I think he's a good offensive coordinator. Him and Ben didn't get along towards the end. That's okay. But... You have you have Hugh in there at head coach. You have Todd Haley, proven track record for being a good offensive coordinator. You bring in the playmaker of Barkley. You bring in a quarterback, a new quarterback, a fresh quarterback, and hopefully, hope to God, Cleveland Nation, mm-hmm. it's the right guy. And then you 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 bring in a you know a cornerback, a defender, a, you know. I feel hopeful for Cleveland, and I may be the only one feeling that way, but I really do believe that they could do a lot of good things right here. They just have to pull the trigger, and I think they will. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Could Saquon be number one overall? Should he be number one overall? And let us know also what you think about anything we talked about today on the podcast. If you're listening to it in full housekeeping here at the end, if you like what we did, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. Also down in the description with that link, you can find the information to get yourself an MVP t-shirt. Make sure to give the primetime podcast a five-star rating on iTunes and make sure to check out most valuable podcast.com. Calm. The camera is shutting off. We went over Brandon on the time, so you're looking at the logo, but that's enough. That's all I need. As always, guys, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.